Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hello and welcome to Millennial Love, the independent lifestyle desk's weekly podcast on love, dating and relationships. Hosted by me, Olivia Petter, lifestyle writer. And me, Rachel Hosey, assistant lifestyle editor. Dating today is a world away from what it was even just 10 years ago. With dating apps, millennials like us are finding it harder to meet people than ever before. And even when we do, who's to say that we won't be ghosted, breadcrumbed or zombied? So that is why we decided to launch Millennial Love as two long-time singletons in their 20s, talking candidly about all of the things that everyone is doing but not always willing to admit. Today we're delighted to welcome the brilliant journalist, author and fellow podcaster Elizabeth Day. Hello, I'm so excited. We're so excited, we're big fans. Oh, thank you, ditto. Oh, stop. Oh, this is such a good love fest, isn't it? Um, in case there is anyone out there who does not know about you, would you care to enlighten the listeners as to who you are and what you do and all the good stuff? Of course. So uh, I am Elizabeth and <laughs> I feel like I'm on blind date. Um, <laughs> and I started out as a journalist. In fact, my first job was in this very building that we're recording this podcast really? in, which is taking me back. Yeah. Who did my, you work for? The Evening Standard, the London oh, Star on the Evening Standard. I know. So that's very exciting. So I've been a journalist for... Uh, like a long time <laughs> from the age of 17 years 17 years and I've also written four novels uh the which latest of which epic. how have you written four novels well it's partly that I don't have children I lovely think that's honestly that's what I've used my time for so uh the Far last one was, yeah <laughs> the latest one's called The Party uh it's out in paperback this year and um I launched my own podcast last month was it no it was July um called How to Fail with Elizabeth Day and the idea behind it is that we learn more from our failures than from our successes and it's interviews with successful mm. people about what they've learned from when when things went wrong rather than when things go right it's been such a good listen Thank like, we've you. loved every episode, haven't we? Yeah, particularly the final episode where you're actually interviewed by Dolly yeah. Alderton, who has also been on this very podcast. A millennial love alumna, yes. if you will. Yes, I listened to her episode on this one. Um, thank you. That's really kind of you. I, I was really nervous about putting it out there because particularly that final episode, I was incredibly honest mm. about a whole pile of stuff that I don't normally talk publicly about. I mean, I write first person pieces sometimes but you're always a bit more in control as you guys would know <laughs> in print rather than having questions asked from a really good dear friend who you feel really safe with um, but I'm glad I did it and I'm glad I put it out there it seemed fair after asking other people to open up it's amazing as well and I bet everyone who'd listened to all the episodes so far and who've read so many of your books and articles and everything people want to get to know you as well so I think it's brilliant I bet everyone loved it we did that's a thank you. That's a lovely thing to say. I I think it's interesting because I do a lot of celebrity interviews in my day job as a journalist, 
And I'm always the kind of interviewer, I don't put a lot of myself in the piece. And that's just the kind of interviewer I am. I love reading other interviewers who do put themselves in. But therefore, the podcast thing was a slightly different dynamic. But I think you're totally right that because you're kind of in someone's ear, mm. there's an intimacy with the listener. And it was really creatively liberating for me to have that rather than having to write something up about, mm. you know, what shoes Selena Gomez is wearing when she walks <laughs> into the restaurant and how she's got an appetite, a really big appetite, even though she's so slender. That's <laughs> so funny. That always makes me laugh with interviews with female celebrities. But being like, and she ordered a hamburger and she took a bite. Oh, yeah, like, oh well my done. God, groundbreaking. <laughs> she eats food. Wow. I know. God, that's so funny, isn't it? No, but I, that's one of the reasons I love podcasts is the intimacy. Because, mm. you get, you know, obviously you can edit them afterwards, but no one, like, I don't know. We never really add it, do we? <laughs> we just let it flow. <laughs> and I think that's so nice because then you get people in their really organic, natural, truthful, authentic ways. Mm. I think it's genuine. Yeah, definitely. We love it. Let's do dating debrief. So dating debrief, mine is actually very much on the topic of what Elizabeth was just talking about, uh, about being interviewed by a good friend. So I, over the weekend, was interviewed by my good friend who hosts a podcast called Adulting. Uh, and only's and also a millennial love alumna. Yes, she is. She is. She was on the podcast a few weeks ago uh, to talk about contraception. I feel like months ago, but yes, maybe it was months ago. Uh, <laughs> anyway, she interviewed me at her house in Brixton. I was really hungover and really tired when I went to do the interview. So you know when you're kind of in that dazed and confused state <laughs> and if someone asks you a probing question you're probably feeling a bit vulnerable anyway you'll just kind of break down and tell them everything you smashed it though well, I, I, I listened to it back and I was like god I can't believe I spoke about that I mean we basically spoke about like my whole dating history her whole dating history or sort of lack thereof uh you know the the idea of being single when all your friends are in relationships uh family how family in impacts your approach to dating um, it was brilliant. It was such a good listen. Thank you. Uh, it came out, yeah, it came out yesterday. And it's now Monday, by the way. It's now Monday. To so clarify. Sorry. When this episode comes out. When this episode <laughs> comes out, it would have come out on the Sunday previously. Yes. Um, <laughs> but it was, it was very fun. Um, so check it out. Mm, let me let me let us know your thoughts. I feel like everyone, every interviewee, should be slightly hungover when you interview them because mm. it, it is like a truth serum. You're feeling it so is. vulnerable. Hungover, yeah, <laughs> or a bit tipsy. Yes, well, yeah. they, those are the ways people are going to like open their soul. Completely, I bared my soul, but it was it was fun. Also, because it wasn't this podcast, I felt like I could be a little bit more confessional than I would normally yeah, be. You were way more open on her podcast than you have ever been on Millennial Love. Well, I'm, I'm never hungover when we do this podcast because it's the middle of the day at work, and I am professional. <laughs> I mean, so you are. <laughs> what about you, Rachel? Um, so I finished my social media detox. Yeah. I was forced to give up social media, including dating apps. I mean, it was only for a week, but um, I, it was a struggle for me because I used them a lot. And I love social media. I love social media so much. I really missed Instagram and Twitter. Facebook, man, it's irrelevant. Um, You've already done like three posts, haven't you? You've only been on a couple hours. Uh <laughs> Too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but they were they were they were posts where they have lots of photos. I had a lot to uh, say. Yeah. So actually, it's multiple yeah. posts. So really, one. um, I've got to catch people up. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I got to catch up the fans. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I gained followers even when I wasn't posting. Oh my That's god, you are That's an influencer. So interesting. Yeah. Why do we bother? Oh, I don't know. I find posting, Instagram I quite know. strange. <laughs> I mean, anyway, um, but I have also decided 
maybe it's because it's the beginning of cuffing season once again. I'm going to commit to trying to use the dating apps properly. Because like all summer long, I didn't really date anyone. I didn't really go on the apps. Or I'd go on like once, very like once a week if that. And you just can't get anywhere with that. And I don't know how you meet people in real life. So I'm going to commit to actually using them and having conversations and... I may do this for a week and then utterly despair and be like, nope, I'm done. But I think I'm going to try and do it properly because I want to date again. Wait, can I? Cuffing season? Oh, yes, yes, yes. Does this mean like getting someone in handcuffs? Yes. (laughs) That is what it does imply. Funnily enough, nothing to do with BDSM (laughs) at all. Gosh, you know, we did cuffing season nearly a year ago, didn't we, when we started the pod? Mm. Um, Cuffing season is essentially, it's basically settling down season where you're trying to find someone for winter (laughs) to like, it's like a winter boyfriend type thing. To hibernate with. Exactly. Mm, I get it. And everyone kind of wants someone cute for like Christmas times and like, you know, cute things like cozying up by the fire and like drinking mulled wine and going ice skating. And, oh, isn't it cute? Yeah. Okay. Got yeah, it. Thank exactly. you. <laughs> so that's my plan. I will let you know how I get on. <laughs> it probably won't be fruitful, but you know, you got to try. You got to commit a little bit because some people do. I mean, the other half's on dating apps. Elizabeth they may do. have met someone and is dating someone. <laughs> I have met someone. Uh, I hope he doesn't mind my talking about it. Oh, well, too late. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I actually met someone. So I had the whole online dating app thing for I have since like October to the end of March. <laughs> Not that I was counting. <laughs> Not that I was measuring out the pain. Um, and I met my now boyfriend on an app called Hinge, mm. which obviously is the worst word ever. And whenever we tell people that we met on Hinge, there's always like a 20 minute digression on why it's called that terrible thing because it rhymes with minge. <laughs> it does and, rhyme with minge. Yeah. And I have to explain when it's like hinging you together with someone with whom you might have mutual friends on Facebook. Means? I yeah, you're supposed to ha- always have mutual friends with the people yeah. you match with. I, I think. haven't even fully clocked that. I've all the people I've spoken to on it. I've had mutual friends with. Interesting. Mm. Yeah. Or you can have secondary friends. So like yeah, a friend I of a think friend. it's. I think sometimes it's that. Yeah. I yeah. think it's a good concept though because then there's that familiarity that you don't get exactly. normally. I feel like most people in London is like you know two steps removed and will share a friend. Like I don't know. Do you know what though? I'm not sure that I would ever have met my boyfriend in real life were it not for, yeah because mm. we we work in different worlds which is something that i absolutely love mm. <laughs> i really do having you know dated men and media mm. um yep. it's really nice having someone who has a completely different take on the world and i and i honestly met him at a time when i was just done with dating apps a bit like you were saying mm. rachel and um i downloaded hinge on a kind of it was actually a snowy saturday morning that sounds lovely when i was in march though hashtag global warming yeah but, um, <laughs> i was like i was so done with it and i was like i remembered someone telling me about hinge a couple of years ago and i was like i'm just gonna do it just to kind of while away the the hours oh, absolutely of the saturday morning fun, isn't it yeah and i went so then we started chatting. He was the first person Wait a to minute. connect with me. He, he was the first person you matched with on the first day you downloaded yes. Hinge. Yes. Stop. <laughs> that's true story. Oh, that's great. Oh my God. True this, story. Why doesn't this happen to me? It's like my ex-flatmate, the first dating update she ever went on. So that they stayed together for ages. Now they're living together. And I'm like, I, I've dated so many guys. But can <laughs> I just say it wasn't the first app date I'd been on. I'd been Still. on a few stinkers. I, it's true. Like, 
And the other thing that I would say, this is the, the annoying thing when you've been single for ages, as you guys would know. <laughs> yeah, we do know. All in that. I'm oh, we are all, yeah. <laughs> you have your kind of um, unwittingly smug, coupled up friends who will always say to you, it'll happen when you least expect it. Oh, you know how many times I've heard that. Oh Makes me rage. <laughs> it'll happen when you've decided to like do your own mm. thing and made your own plans. And the annoying thing is... It's right. <laughs> with the, in this particular instance, it was completely right. I had booked flights that morning, the morning I met Justin. I booked flights to go to LA thinking I was going to move there. I was wow. like, there's nothing for me in London. Really? I, yeah, and... I only went on the date because I was like, oh, I suppose I should, you know. Mm -hmm. And then I walked in and I was like, oh my God, thank goodness I did. And annoyingly, all those people turned out to be right. (laughs) Oh, brilliantly. They they always are though. That's exactly what um, another guest of ours said. Remember Sophia Money Coots came on and she said the exact same thing. When you least expect it, that's when she met her boyfriend. Also on Tinder, I think. Mm. Tinder's prompting lots of marriages now. I know lots of people have got married through Tinder. Yeah. And a lot of my a lot of my closest mates are in very serious relationships with people they met online. That's the thing. Like it's very easy to sort of slag off dating apps because they kind of are horrendous at times to go through, but they do work. Actually, a lot of people do meet people on them and get into relationships and are very happy. I also think it's about um, like reconfiguring our idea of romance because. A lot of people, in fact, someone I went on a Bumble date with <laughs> said this to me about how he had always thought he was going to meet his intended in a in a meet cute, like yeah. a rom-com meet cute, where they'd be at some party and he'd like trip over and spill wine over her shoes and they'd mm. have this like dazzling connection and it would be a moment of pure serendipity. And obviously the dating app scene doesn't allow for that. Yeah. But maybe it's it's really romantic in its own way because when you come to a dating app and you answer all the profile questions, you have to be clear about what you want and committed to who you are as a person. And maybe that in itself is kind of romantic if someone is drawn to that. I like that. I think so too. And also I think, you know, you take a risk when you go on a date with someone you meet online. They could either match up to all your expectations. I mean, they rarely do, but they could, they could surprise you. They do. You could, they you do. could yeah, they do. And I think... Sometimes you go into dates being like, oh, I can't really be asked to do this, but I'll go anyway. And then they blow you away and you're like, oh my God. And that is romantic. And then you could end up having this amazing date that goes on for hours. Yeah, or they end the date after two hours because they don't fancy you. Lol. Remember that happened. How do you guys end a date though? When you you walk in, is this something I always struggled with? When you walk in, you're like, I just know there's going to be no chemistry whatsoever. And I I need to get out of here after maybe two glasses of wine. So I'll tell you what I do. (laughs) (laughs) I got a few few tricks up my sleeve. So the first time this happened to me, I met this guy. He, it sounds really bad, but he was much shorter than I expected. And we just did not click. Was he shorter than you? No. Oh, Olivia. Yes, I know. She's Thank not you, Elizabeth. Yeah, I am five yeah. foot seven. <laughs> I am wearing slight heels today. Um, anyway, the chat was fine. Fine. But that's not really what you, what you want from a date, is it? Anyway, I went to the loo after like an hour and a half, came back and was like, right, so I've ordered an, ordered an Uber. So I'll see you later. This was great. I just left and that was it. Wow. Yeah, I've never I, done that. I was just very like determined. Well like, done. Kind of didn't give him the option to try and convince me to stay. Which is maybe a bit mean, but... Anyway, then he clearly got the picture because then I never heard from him again. I always lie. I make something up. I can't lie. I can't lie. No, but I I can lie because I prefer to lie than offend them. I I will say something like, I remember one time there was this guy that took two hours to drink one glass of wine. I was just like, this isn't going to (laughs) work. So I was like, 
I'm really sorry, it's actually my flatmate's birthday. I've got to go back in Duke cake. Or another thing that was like, this is my final night to see my brother before he goes away to America <laughs> for six months. And I make Do you some... have a brother? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> he was going to America. Good question, though. He was going to America for like two weeks in like a month's time. Right. <laughs> so it wasn't a total lie. Yeah. But it was basically, there was no reason for me to and leave. Do you say that at the be- at the outset or during the course of the evening? I say that as soon as I've realised I'm not interested, right. which is probably about half an hour in, you know? Mm. I think you know pretty quickly, don't you? You do. Although I've also had dates where like the first half of the date, I'm like, oh my God, yeah, I really like this guy. And then I go to Lou or something and I come back and it totally switches. And I'm like, nope, not into you. And I don't know how that happens. It's funny because I think we're so hyper judgmental when we're on a dating app date. Yeah. They could say one thing. Not even just a dating app date. That is a bit date. of a cringe joke or just, I don't know, yeah, maybe they say something awful. political that doesn't we, really ring with your political so views. And you're like, nope, done. We judge so much, even though like they're nervous and might say things they didn't mean or, you know, make an awkward joke. And, and then we judge them on that and we're like, deal breaker. Which is not really quite right that's why my mum always goes you gotta give everyone at least two dates and I'm like time is short mum I actually totally agree with that now I mean a time is short and sometimes you do really know and you definitely know you don't want to go on a second date with them but I'm a big believer now in the slow burn Mm. and again I think it's about reconfiguring romance because I have had that thing where I've been at a party and I've seen a man and we have had an instant connection and I was listening to you guys talking about the notion of first of, of love at first sight mm. with Maya Jama. Mm. And um and I, I agree with you that you can have like an instant lust connection or like an instant sort of deep connection, but actually you can't really feel love mm. straight away. I mean no. that just doesn't make any sense. But for me now I feel that love can also exist in a really beautiful evolving way where you like someone to start with. And you carry on liking them more and yeah. more and more. So I, so I think when you have a first date that is kind of nice, but not ticking every mm. single box and maybe isn't giving you butterflies, I actually think you should, in that instance, give it a second go. Because yeah. the other thing is, is that we're all carrying so much bloody pain and we're so like bruised from past experiences that you're going to be cautious and they probably are too. Yeah. So that's why you need to. See, that's so interesting. Like, I always feel like I'm waiting for fireworks. I mm. want fireworks. But maybe that's me sort of being brainwashed by rom-coms. And, but then again, some of my friends are like, met this guy and then we talked all night and then we were, didn't want to be separated ever. And that was it. And I'm like, I want that. And I I, but then I also hear people who are like, yeah, he was like fine at first, and then we carried on dating, and I just like grew to like him more and more, and now it's great. I mean, I I've got friends of mine who who are happily married to people that they met in both those circumstances, but probably more of them who met thinking this is a nice guy, but I'm not sure there's anything to it, and then and then the fireworks happened six months in mm. how amazing is that is that you yeah. get like a really solid friendship and then the fireworks yeah but i feel like you have to, you have to be quite like uh committed to the just that guy being like a nice guy and he has to he has to do something to keep your attention until the fireworks kick in sometimes the fireworks can be a bad sign though if they're I instant totally agree. sometimes totally it because because it just you know it's instant lust for example and and it clouds your judgment of that person. The thing is, I already know that I have rejected so many guys who are like, great guys, really nice, would treat me so well, parents would love marriage material. But I'm like, nope, boring. And I'm like, why do I do this? 
I'm going to regret this in the future. I or think you need I? a twinkle. There needs to be a twinkle. You can mm. be a nice guy and stable and all of those things, mm. but you need to feel a, 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 there needs to be a twinkle in the eye. There does. Yeah. 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 Okay. Shall we talk about our main topic of, of <laughs> well, today? We, we have all been very <laughs> chatty. <laughs> we could stay here for hours. We, we haven't done bio of the week. Oh, we haven't done bio of the week. Okay, I'll read this one okay, out. Okay, take it away. So this was one that was sent to us by a listener on our Millennial Love Instagram account. Thank you very much. <laughs> it reads, it was on Bumble, by the way, and we do not have a name. So I will just read the bio. I need someone to share my pasta. Sometimes it's cannelloni. I like it. Oh, that's amazing. Isn't that cute? <laughs> that's amazing. <laughs> I am always Dang down for him, a food show. Yeah. 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 Where can I find him? I'm going to ask her to send, yeah, send us like profile. <laughs> send him my number. <laughs> yeah, we'll manipulate the algorithm so that he comes up on your feed. Yeah, perfect. I love that. Mm. I love that. I love a pun. I love pasta. Love pasta. It's snappy. It's great. To be fair, I'm pretty much more in love with pasta than any man ever. So. Oh, pasta. It's that, um, it's, there's that other joke, isn't there, about what do you call a cheese that's disguising a horse? Ooh. Oh, wait. I feel like what I, I know What do you call it. a cheese that's disguising a horse? I feel like a mascarpone. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's good. So good. That's yeah. good. Oh, cheese puns are great. There are so many <laughs> cheese puns so actually many. out there. is particularly good at puns. Sometimes I'm writing an article and I'm like, help me come up with some puns. Yeah, I like the puns. You're very good at it. Okay, so the main topic we're going to discuss today is relationship fails and why it's important to fail in relationships, which is sort of based obviously off your podcast because mm. we we just loved hearing about everyone's failures because they're never really failures at all, are they? But they're just the things we think of as failures. So with this relationship angle, shall we start by talking about what we even think constitutes like a relationship fail? What do you guys think? I think that's such an interesting question because... Is there any such thing as failure? Ultimately, that's the kind of premise of my podcast mm. and it's what I feel about life because a failure isn't a failure if you learn something useful from it. And every relationship of mine that has ever failed, which is all of them apart from the current one, which is <laughs> obviously that's just a given. Um, but I have learned something profound about myself and about who I am, but also how I am in a relationship. Mm. So in my 20s, I was a long-term serial monogamist. Um, So from the age of 19 to the age of 36, I was single for two months. No. Yeah. Wow, you're so the opposite of me and Livy then. And I think it's much better to be your way around. Because during that time, I took relationships so seriously that I almost forgot to ask myself what I wanted from one. I was just like in a succession Mm. of them. And I took them really seriously and I was like, you know, they might end up um, in marriage is ultimately the the mindset with which I went into each one of them. And it just meant that I started to kind of carve myself out around the other person's needs and desires. And I think maybe a lot of women do that when they're not sure of who they are. And I certainly wasn't when I left university. Like I thought I was, but I wasn't. And I became an inveterate people pleaser um, because I just wanted people to like me and tell me I was okay because I didn't have that self-worth myself. And in a relationship dynamic, that can be really harmful because you end up not taking decisions and not placing boundaries where you should and not really saying what you want. Mm. And then the other person can sometimes take advantage of that without knowing. I mean, it got to the stage with me where... 
there was this one particular boyfriend and he's like really nice guy um but I remember he would ask, like, where do you want to go for lunch at a weekend? I was like, I don't have, I don't know. Where do you want to go for lunch? I do I this all the time. It's terrible. I'm so yeah. indecisive because I just want to mold myself to whatever they want to do because I'm, I can, I can feel myself doing it sometimes. I'm like, well, if I say this, I risk him thinking, oh, that's a really uncool place to suggest. Exactly. Isn't it funny how you can be really confident in like every aspect of your life, and then when it comes to someone you like, you're suddenly like a quivering child. Who, you know, can't be strong, can't assert themselves, can't sort of trust your your instincts and your, you know, stand by what you believe in. Yeah. It's so annoying. It's so annoying. (laughs) I know that's slightly off a tangent, but I also found, I was just thinking about this the other day, like, if you're on, like, a night out or out for drinks or something in the pub with friends, and then, like... If normally you'd be like, oh, I'm tired, I'm going home. Isn't it amazing how if there's someone there you fancy, you have this strange energy that allows you to like stay out all night because there's someone you fancy there. Mm. Yeah. It's totally a tangent. It's just amusing that it occurred to me. Um, I have a question. Yeah. Going back to defining a relationship fail, because obviously you could say, yeah, every relationship that's ended is a fail. But it's not. But, well, well, it could be in a, in a sense, but do you think it's sometimes more specific things like, I don't know, cheating is obviously quite an obvious, it's quite an obvious example, but say you you do something very specific that is the catalyst to ending that relationship. Do you think that's more of a failure than actually just the relationship failing in itself? Like, is there a specific, like if you look back on previous, even just like, you know, people you've seen, Rachel, yeah. not necessarily relationships, can you think of like specific things that you've done? I've got a fail in my head. Yeah? Yeah. What's your fail? So my fail, this is what springs to my mind anyway, is a guy I was dating, it must have been nearly five years ago now, because it was when I was on my year abroad in Germany. And I was dating this German guy, like, very briefly, like, it wasn't even very long, but it was like, there was quite a lot of build-up. Anyway, that's a very long story, but ultimately, I freaked out because he was keen and really into me and like sending me all these really sweet messages and wanting to see me and I freaked out pushed him away but like didn't give him any closure didn't like really explain anything why I suddenly was like not into him why I was ignoring him why I would like make up excuses not to see him and I I really regret how I behaved it wasn't okay it wasn't fair to him he was a really nice guy, actually, and I like feel really bad about what I did. Um, and I consider that to be a fail because of how I treated him. And I don't. I'm not saying I should have like pushed through my freak out and carried on dating him because if it felt like too much for me, it felt like too much for me. But I would have been. I wish I'd been a better person to and been more mature. Yeah. To say to him. I'm sorry, this is too much. I, 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 I don't know. I don't, like, I, I, I felt very young at the time and I've learned so much more since and I don't think I really knew that what what was happening and why I was feeling how I did. I went from really liking him to he was driving me crazy and I couldn't stand him and I didn't behave well. And that's a fail. Aww. 
but just be kind to yourself because you were really young. I know. And and it sounds to me like you wouldn't do the same thing again because you'll have no. learned from that. And he might be listening hmm. in Germany whilst munching on his bratwurst. <laughs> 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 I'd be surprised because the, my German was a lot better than his English, but it was five years ago. Maybe he's got better. I don't know. Um, I'd be surprised if he was listening, but if he is, I'm sorry. I'm sorry of how I treated you. But I think that's so interesting because I think you, like me, are conflict avoidant. Yeah. And I think a lot of women, again, just to generalise horribly by gender, but a lot of women have been raised to be that way. They've been raised to be like nice, pliant, Mm. pleasant Mm. girls. Whereas men, more generally, definitely when I was growing up in the 80s, men were kind of raised to be bold and adventurous and kind of rewarded for that. And I think so much of my relationship failure comes down to wanting to avoid conflict and arguments and therefore losing my voice. I can't bear confrontation. Yeah, I think losing my voice is a big one for me as well. If I were to go through all of the different like experiences I've had with guys, it's, yeah, it's not standing up for myself and just letting people sort of walk all over me just because I'm blinded by infatuation. I mean, I'll, I'll do anything to make you like me more, basically. Like, that's my biggest fear is coming across as unlikable in any way because of something I've said or done mm. wrong which is which is just horrific no but, but it's paranoid when you like someone yeah you are it just it messes with your head when you like someone and particularly when you feel like they don't like you as much it's I horrible think. it is horrible mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for mother's day than whole foods market they're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts start by saving 33 with prime on all body care and candles then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just 9.99 each with prime round out mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate mother's day at whole foods market Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Have you got anything that stands out for you, Elizabeth? As a failure? Yeah. Well, I was married and got divorced, so I would consider that a failure. because Yeah, because I... It's a big thing to do, get married, and to commit yourself to that. And I was wholly committed to it. Like, I really believed in it and what we were doing and the vows that I took in front of my family and friends our family and friends then arguably is that not a fail if you know you were completely committed to it at the time if you if you'd gone through with it yeah. when you're a bit like mm, not actually sure about this but I'll, I'll do it anyway then i think maybe yeah that's a nice way of looking at it so i'll take it yeah <laughs> <laughs> i think it was actually tremendous success no i i but i actually think that failure stems from not knowing myself mm. i so thought i knew myself and it's been really interesting in the aftermath of the divorce. So uh, I've been divorced three years now. Um, How old were you when you got married? 33. But okay. we've been together four years before that. Right. So so I met my ex-husband when I was 29, which is quite a pivotal age again for a woman because you're coming to terms with turning 30 and, and 
which is a great thing but you in the back of your head you're like well I'll never be considered young again yeah there's this stupid (laughs) thing isn't there in society that it's like 30 is this turning point for women and it's like now you're not young which is stupid yeah and I had this thing because I'd always been very young for doing what I was doing so as a journalist people would be like oh gosh you're so young Mm. and I knew that that would never happen again once there was a three in front of my age but actually my 30s have been my best decade definitely so far in terms of like what I've learned and all of my novels were published in this decade like stuff like that um so there's been a I've I feel much more fulfilled now than I did at 29. That's awesome. Yeah, it's great. Honestly, I'd counsel it to everyone. Celebrate your 30th birthday. Um, Gonna have a huge party. (laughs) Definitely do that. But yeah, so my... It was a lack of self-knowledge, really. And And since the divorce, what has been interesting is that my closest friends and my mother and like close members of my family they all could see things that I couldn't when I was in the relationship. Mm. So one of the things that I was most worried about and ashamed of was having to stand up and say, I think I've made a mistake. Yeah. And I was so worried about people's responses and what they would think of me and how I would potentially have let them down and that I wasn't this kind of person, this perfect person, this image that I was trying to project. And the biggest discovery was that they already knew that and they much preferred me when I wasn't trying to be some ridiculous Stepford wife perfection. That's so interesting. That is so, so interesting. Do you think, because you said you were only single for two months between the ages of 19 and 36, do you think the lack of self-awareness probably comes from that, not having spent enough time on your own? Definitely. Uh, part, it's an interesting one because I've always been very independent-minded and I've always liked being on my own and uh, having time on my own. Mm. Um, I need time on my own to kind of replenish my energy reserves. Same. Oh my God, yeah. me too. And that's Big difficult time. in a relationship if yeah. someone doesn't understand that. It is. and But then because I always had that, I thought I, I had had time on my own in a way mm. because... Because I did have that kind of independent spirit of like going off and going on holidays with friends rather than my boyfriend at the time. So I think I played a sort of mental trick on myself where I thought I did know myself and I thought I had spent time on my own. And again, it was one of those things that a lot of people say say to you, oh, you must take time, you know, don't rush things. You must take time to be single and be on your own. And I was like, oh, what a cliche. I don't need that. (laughs) Um, But actually, there are things that you can only learn when you're single for a period of time. There really are. And one of the things that I learned in my most recent patch of being single is that it is really, really tough. And there are a lot of people who are in long-term happy relationships or even not so happy relationships who look at you and say, oh, I wish I could live life vicariously through. Like, I, I'd love to go on a few dates. And you're like, oh, that's know. so Bridget Jones, isn't know. it? That's so like the friends, her going to that dinner party and then being, oh, tell us, Bridge, how is it being single? Like, I'll oh, sod off. It, and it's amazing how Bridget Jones, like that amazing book still holds so true. I know. It started as a column in The Independent. Yeah. It did, it did. Five miles around. <laughs> so funny. Yeah, I watched Bridget Jones 3 the other day. That was great. I've loved all of them. Same. I find the, the second one totally hilarious, the skiing holiday, because I hate yeah, skiing. Yeah, that's the one I always think <laughs> of. Is that the one she goes to Thailand as well? Yeah. Oh, God, what a film. And, so may, and arguably does a relationship fail by going back to Hugh Grant in Thailand. Now, that's interesting. Going back to people. Mm, is that a fail? No, because look at Kate and Wills is all I'm saying. No, but going back to someone who has treated you like crap. We don't know the ins and outs of their relationship. I'm talking about about (laughs) Hugh Grant and Bridget Jones. 
<laughs> What's his name? Daniel Cleaver. Daniel, Daniel Cleaver. Cleaver. I mean, I would probably have gone back to him. He's so smooth. Mm. I wouldn't have been able to resist that. But the interest, because given what we were talking about, about fireworks... Bridget and Daniel had fireworks. Yes. Exactly. And they took her on a mini break. Like all the things that you think you want, like rowing on the lake outside the Country House Hotel. But actually, he wasn't Colin great, Firth was, was he? the one. He just knew how to weave a narrative with his words. But exactly. he wasn't trustworthy. Colin Firth, slow burner. Yes. Mr. Darcy. Mm-hmm. Yes. yes. Lovely. <laughs> That's a good look out for. Emotionally inept. <laughs> Emotionally in that. No, but he turns out, he he totally turns it around. And I think that's quite a realistic portrayal of of the slow burn. Like, you meet someone and you think, oh, God, like, I would never go for the geeky guy in the dorky Christmas jumper. I always go for the geeky guy in the dorky Christmas jumper. Do you? Oh, no, this is confusing. Does that mean that you have to go anti types? I love dorky guys. Yeah. But I would also be totally wooed by the Daniel Cleavers of the world. Have you ever gone back to a relationship? No. Have you? Yeah. I had a situation for about five or six years with Wait a, a guy. Is this the wow. fail you want to tell us about? Yeah, yeah, I can tell about my fail. Tell. Okay, so when I, I spoke about this a bit when I was on Anoni's podcast at the weekend. So when I was about 15, 16, I started uh, seeing a guy. And so young, by the way. So so yeah, well, I went to boarding school where people would just date all the time because there was nothing else to do. Was it co-ed or what? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was very naughty. People used to have sex in the golf shed and all sorts of things. And golf? Hang on, golf? Yeah, there were just loads of <laughs> random sheds all over. The- anyway, it's it a very lovely school. We're very lucky to go there. But club. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Quite. Um, anyway, I basically, I, I'd never really dated anyone before. I got a bit overwhelmed. Surely you don't date at 15, 16. Well, no, not really. But, you know, like we would be able to go on walks after after we'd finished doing our homework. It sounds so oh, cringe is... saying it now. Um, but anyway, I and he lived quite near me in, in London. London right. Yeah. So I would see him in the holidays. Anyway, I screwed things up by snogging his best mate at a party. While you were with the guy? Well, we would never, we had never really like officially defined things, mm. but I was an idiot and got drunk and screwed things up. At 16? Yeah. Underage drinking, don't do it. <laughs> yeah. Rachel's being very headmistress hosey right now. <laughs> I'm not enjoying it. Judging. <laughs> yeah. So then I got back to school and decided that, oh, actually, you know what? I've screwed up. I really like this guy. Went to go and see so him. So he knew that you'd got with his yeah, friend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I told oh, him. Oh, mate, that is messy. Oh, you told him. Mm. You told him. She yeah. Told him. I told yeah. him. Mistress Hosey. Yeah. She told him. Yeah. Give her a point Please. for that. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, and then the he... friend as well. Sorry, yeah. Sorry. Can you stop, please? <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, the judgment coming out of you right it now. It comes from lack of self-worth. I'm with you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> You're like, you just want everyone to like you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I just snuck them all? Sorry, go on. <sighs> anyway, didn't past. know what I was doing. I made a mistake. He then started dating someone else, proceeded to go out with this girl for like four or five years. But while he was dating her, sort of got his own back on me by messing with my head for the duration of that relationship. And would he drop you seeds? Would drop me seeds, would ask to go out with me. But the big fail on my part was that I bought into all of this, would meet up with him thinking buying into the fantasy of this forbidden love narrative being like oh he's with someone else but he really likes me more than her but did you like kiss and stuff yeah uh... twice and that is the fail on my part because i should not have done that and was that from f- from 15 to 20 then yeah God, that is a long sort time. of yeah i think around about then it's difficult because like to be honest with you like if that's a very messy tangled web i would say it's more on him like he's it's he's like he's a worse human for 
like getting with you multiple times while he had that other girlfriend possibly it was properly but girlfriend it's still like not top form from you you know it's not top form for me but it's just it's just me getting swept up in the whole you know fantasy of it all being like yeah this is the person that is for me because those years 15 to 20 or you know just just your teenage years you're so impressionable mm. and particularly if that's your first you know experience of dating or romance or whatever you think you're like god this feels great and you just you compare it to all of the films and books and Mm. all of that which is just nonsense that you're fed and it can be really damaging it can mess with you for the rest of your life not the rest of your life but you know it can set a bad precedent it can set a toxic precedent i think yeah it's so difficult because there is that romantic narrative about there being obstacles in your way exactly that it's a love that you can't deny and i also think that men can exploit um that sorry to be all like soapboxy but that patriarchal <laughs> notion that women should compete with each other yes. yeah so what he's setting up there yeah. is just like a competition between two women yeah Indeed, exactly Exactly. You know what's quite Sorry, men. I mean, some <laughs> of you are absolutely lovely. Some of you are all right. <laughs> mm, a handful. Um, I think that interesting though, the stories that Olivia and I have told is more like we acknowledge that we did not behave so greatly there. But you with your marriage is like not the same thing at all because you didn't do anything that you should have done otherwise. Do you know what I mean? Well, so this is where it gets into tricky territory because my marriage is the story of two people. And obviously my ex isn't here to put his side of the story and I can't possibly talk for him. Mm. But what I can say from my part is that I found it very difficult to talk about things to him that were upsetting me. And I therefore found it tricky to communicate clearly sometimes and I I thought I was saying things very clearly but it could be that I wasn't and I'm being very opaque I'm really so I'm really I like talking about communicating clearly and not <laughs> communicating that clearly but I think that is one thing that I have had to own up to and claim as my own part to play in in that but you know what's so interesting when we acknowledge that you know things like that if you're like oh maybe I'm not so good at communicating feelings or whatever it might be is it then like this is something I need to work on or well this is just who I am I don't know that's such a good question because I think I think you possibly can't change your fundamental character but you can change the way that you express it Mm. and I um I'm a big proponent of therapy and um I went into therapy um when I was still married, but going through IVF, which um, also was a very traumatic experience and mm. contributed to the breakdown of that relationship. And I, I, I thank God that I went into therapy because it did help me find my voice and also to have someone else um, be able to, you know, sometimes it's quite difficult to talk to your friends constantly about yourself because you feel too self-absorbed and you don't want to just moan on at them all the time. And actually having someone who you can knock things around with, who's completely objective, who has an yeah. objective take on what your relationship might or might not be was really, really helpful to me. Yeah, because also your friends might have their own agenda in some way because they, they they might be particularly hard on you because they're trying to, you know, help you get over this person who they saw treat you so horrifically. So I, I agree, sometimes it can be really helpful to talk. To, I mean, I went through something pretty horrific in January, February time, and I... Sp- the way I dealt with it was by speaking to 
everyone I possibly could about it. Often people that I just met. Oh my God, we're so similar. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. It's so, it's when you're drunk. <laughs> it's just like, <gasps> but it really helps. And then so they helpful. tell you things and then you just, you bond and you just feel like, God, this is so refreshing. Yeah, talking is the one, to be honest. Well, I think you're so right that every, like everyone brings their own experience to bear on it. Exactly. And actually, by talking, I find that by talking to lots of people, then you kind of stitch together a patchwork of yeah. all this stuff. And then within that, within that amazing mosaic, you can kind of just be so much clearer about what you think and what you want. And and coming out of the relationships I've had that have ended has made me so much clearer about what I want. And really, um, in a very very honest way so I've gone through that phase of wanting fireworks and poems um, <laughs> because I don't really trust them anymore like yeah. I actually trust someone who does what they say they're going to do and who shows their love through meaningful action that is not to say that I don't like texts I love texts <laughs> and I never get enough of them I've got an insatiable appetite for like loving texts but mm. now I sort of turn to my friends for that <laughs> yeah more reliable I'd say yeah mm. many many loving texts I think that's quite nice though because basically what we're all saying is that all these things that we think of as fails in their respective ways whether they're fails or not we've all learned from them definitely right? and that is the main point okay let's squeeze in a quick dating dilemma from one of our listeners okay thank you very much for sending this in hi girls i've been meaning to message you about something i'd love to discuss on the podcast that maybe you guys have had experience with or have advice on yourselves so what i'm always wondering is how do you suss out who are the fuck boys what are the alarm bells i'm horribly bad at detecting them some of these guys are so damn good at masquerading themselves as decent blokes you know, the dating app pictures of them with their mums, the polite offer that maybe you'd like to choose where you go on your first date. Maybe even speak the day of the date, telling you they're looking forward to meeting you. No vulgar comments or hints at anything untoward they may have in mind for the evening ahead. This has happened to me so many times. I think I found a gent, told my closest girlmates that maybe I've actually found someone to have a decent conversation with over red wine. Then, to soon realise he is just like the rest of them. Only wants to get in your pants. <laughs> is not interested in getting to know you at all. Just like a mutating virus, these men are so accomplished <laughs> at playing the good guy, getting you all excited, then only to interrupt you mid-conversation, asking you whether your top zips all the way down. Brackets, yes, this has actually happened to me before and I got up and walked out. Or to angrily order an Uber when it's clear, quote marks, you don't want to sleep together tonight, finished quote marks, of which I had never given any indication, verbal or otherwise. So what do you guys think? How do you weed out the fuckboy expert pretenders from the genuinely honest and decent men? They are so cunning and adaptive. <laughs> I mean, absolutely fantastic message. Very relatable right there. Now, I will say we did an episode on fuckboys many, many, many moons ago. So definitely go back and listen to that. But it's definitely a good one to touch on again, I'd say, because... I find the whole concept, the phenomenon of the fuckboy so interesting because obviously it's a term that we've sort of created in the past few years, but they've obviously existed forever. It's these guys who only want sex, but they are very good at playing women. They, exactly as this lovely listener has said, they make you think they're genuinely good guys who really like you, want a relationship with you because they know that that's what's going to lull you into a false sense of security and then they're going to just have sex with you and never message you ever again. They're the worst. 
I have to say, in the interest of gender parity, I think that there are fuck girls too. Oh, there are. There are. However, I think it's less common. Yes. Yes, I would agree with that. I think ultimately it's about someone being misleading from the beginning about their intentions. And thing is, those intentions can change and it's very difficult to actually know on the first few dates what someone's really looking for with you. Mm. Um, and I have dated many a fuckboy and I've always thought they were God's gift in the beginning. Mm. And and it's only then after, they start to, red flags do start to crop up after about date two or three. And it could be something really simple like cancelling a date and not rearranging it. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, ignoring a message you've sent on one platform but then sending you something else silly on another platform because obviously there are so many ways to communicate with each other now um it's just it's just little things or you know being excessively complimentary can also be a little bit of a warning sign sometimes i think because then you're like are you just saying that because you think that that's what you should be saying treating you as an option not a priority Ugh. Yeah. right well i i totally agree with the with um the compliments thing i think that's where i went wrong for many millennia of my life <laughs> i was just like so wowed by compliments but actually they're shallow yeah mm. unless there are actions that come after that yeah i'm about to give some like <laughs> probably slightly bad advice okay. but if you're worried someone is a fuck boy isn't the best thing to do to fuck them as in if you sleep with them straight away then you're not emotionally vulnerable or connected enough to care that much if they don't call you back. And at least you get it out of the way and you're like, oh, I've weeded that one out. And if they're not, then they'll be in touch with you and then you can carry on. No, but I mean, I get... I (laughs) quite like that approach. I get why you say that, but I think... It is like a stereotype. I know this isn't always the case, but I know for a lot of women, that's like... I don't know, sex is not something you just do super casually and it does sometimes mean something. And then if you're someone who would only sleep with a guy when you feel like it's something that means something, then it it can be pretty crushing if it you can do be. that. And yeah. then Equally though, it can also be quite empowering to just think, screw it, I'm just going to sleep with them and then see what happens afterwards and not let myself get attached. And yes, that's easier said than done in some instances. But if you really, if you know, if it's someone that you just met on a dating app and you know, you think they're attractive, but maybe, you know, you know sort of from the outset that this isn't really someone you see having a long-term thing with, it can be quite empowering to just think, screw it, I'm just going to see what happens. I mean, do you know the other thing I would say to this uh, lovely listener is that um, clearly she has a type and that type isn't working for her. And actually, maybe she should try and swipe i always forget which way it is left is that the right one no, right if you want is to match. if you want them left <laughs> yeah, is if you well, don't i'm very bad at left and right <laughs> okay um to swipe right on the ones who might not seem to have the great chat on their profile but who possibly like answer in quite a sincere way that doesn't mm. seem that funny yeah but, but it's a sincere way to the questions and just see where that takes you i would almost set it as like an assignment for yourself just mm. like go on a couple of dates like that mm. and see what happens i also don't want to say that all really hot guys are fuck boys but often <laughs> the ones who do have like chiseled abs and all this and are like probably posting like naked mirror selfies on their dating app profiles they're the ones who are kind of like so hot that they think they can just get any girl they want pick them up drop them mess them around not always not all hot men are fuck boys but i'm just saying from my experience 
you know okay so you know this is awful thing which actually Anoni mentioned on her podcast as well this stupid concept of the hot crazy scale for women whereby apparently the hotter the woman the crazier she is well I mean that's obviously a very flawed concept but I'm not saying the male equivalent is <laughs> hot and fuck boy but there might be a little <laughs> <laughs> definitely the naked mirror self. like never date anyone no naked no i mean but that's not necessarily mirror. a sign that they're gonna be a fuckboy. that's just a sign that they're a pretty awful person to be honest yeah. like, especially if it's like a hotel mirror and, the, and the kind of the brightness of the flash yeah. is reverberating yeah. against the weird lino of the premiere in bathroom yeah that's not <laughs> someone looking for a, for a relationship that's someone looking for an instagram girlfriend don't don't swipe right on those people or a hookup yeah or a hookup exactly i would just say trust your gut yeah. If you're got if you're getting warning signs and you're thinking maybe he's a fuck boy, and maybe he is. If you're getting the warning signs, this is what I do when I really like someone and I get the warning signs. I make up excuses for my head about those warning signs and I'll be like, Oh no, but he only cancelled this because he's really busy with this. Or it's it's the you classic do, do that. I do do mm. that all the time. It's the classic he's just not that into you narrative yes. that you can't accept. And you'll just make up all of this stuff in your own head to vindicate their terrible behavior because yeah. you're so blinded by maybe the fireworks Ugh, yes so annoying okay um we hope that helps <laughs> <laughs> it's hard it's hard to weed out the fuck yeah. it is although one of our um other listeners when we did an episode about sober dating got in touch saying sober dating helps weed out the fuck boys so maybe suggest a sober date. And if someone wants to do that, there might be less likely to be a fat boy. Maybe a fat boy just wants to get drunk and get in your knickers. Don't know. Could be one to try. Clever tactic. I like it. I know. Try it out and tell us. Yeah, that's <laughs> how it goes. But good luck. And thank you for writing in. And that's all we've got time for today. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. We really hope you've enjoyed it. If you have, please do rate, review, subscribe. We're available on Apple Podcasts. We're available on Acast. We're available wherever you get podcasts, really. So tell your friends. And, uh, you know, just keep keep listening. <laughs> keep listening and keep sending your stories. Yes, please. Uh, you can DM us on Instagram at millennial underscore love or you can email us at millennial.love at independent.co.uk and every story you send will be kept anonymous. Elizabeth, thank you so much for coming in. Thank you. Can we just carry on chatting and just not... I mean, yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, to be honest with you, should we just make this like a four-hour podcast? Perfect. Yeah, yeah great. The listeners will love that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> Saddle up. Yeah. <laughs> Literally. Buckle in. <laughs> no, but genuinely, you've been so fantastic. This has been such a lovely chat. Thank you. I've loved it. It's been really, really fun and so interesting. And I love your podcast. Thank you, Thank you for having your me. Podcast. And buy Elizabeth's book, The Party. Yes. Very, very good. Very funny. And very where can everyone find you on, on the socials? On, anywhere on else? the socials, um, Eliza B Day. Uh, B Day, not like the bathroom <laughs> implements. Just Elizabeth Day is probably a better way of saying it. Anyway, <laughs> uh, on Twitter, on an Instagram, on, on that handle. Lovely. Everyone go give Elizabeth a follow and have a lovely week, everyone. See you next week. Mom. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.